Uh, good evening, everyone. And thank you, Paul, for leading us this evening. It's been a wee while since we've sang that uh, remembrance song, and some of those words are, are incredible. Uh, I loved it. I just wrote, none too lost to be saved, none too broken or ashamed, all are welcome in this place. Love those, those words. Uh, if you have a Bible, if you want to turn to First John chapter 1, it's page uh, 1,225 in the, the Red Pew Bibles. Uh, after tonight, we have just one more week left at looking at and thinking about spiritual disciplines, those godly, intimacy-building, Christ-like, heart-protecting practices of the Christian faith. And I, I'm kind of sad that this series is nearly over. I, I've really enjoyed revisiting these disciplines. Uh, j just by the way, uh, after next week, we're starting a couple of new Sunday night series, uh, which we're going to run together on alternate weeks. One of them's called Elevated Jesus, and it's going to be working through the book of Hebrews. And the other one is called Controversial Jesus, uh, based in the Gospels and looking at a selection of things that we sometimes wish Jesus had never said. So they're going to run together, those, those two, from the 10th of, of February. But we're one more Sunday after tonight on spiritual disciplines. Now, obviously, this won't be us done with, uh, with these practices. They've got to keep going, don't they? they? They need to keep featuring in our lives and as part of our rhythm of life. If we're going to survive and if we're going to thrive as disciples of of Jesus. And, and one of the ways that we can ensure that they do keep going, that they do stay on our radar, and we ensure that we, we kind of don't forget about them or neglect them, is by encouraging one another in them. By encouraging one another in the spiritual disciplines, but by holding one another accountable to them, and also by talking to one another about them. We all know that, that Christianity cannot be and was never meant to be lived in isolation. That this is not a kind of solitary adventure that we're on. And although many of the, the spiritual disciplines that we have named and we have explored are primarily done on our own and by ourselves, it's really important to remember, and this has come through tonight in how Paul has led us, it's really important to remember that we're in this together. We've got to see that. We're in this together. We belong to a body. We belong to a family, and therefore we journey with others. We journey with others in community and in fellowship. Many of the spiritual disciplines may be personal, but lots of them are also interpersonal. We practice them alongside. We practice them along with others, like worship and service, and praying, and learning, and communion. And that sense of kind of togetherness and, and connection, that, that's what provides a strong catalyst for and, and a protector of Christian growth and discipleship. We are not as strong on our own as we are when we are part of a group. We're not as strong on our own as we are when we're part of a group, and, and so being together strengthens 
our personal and corporate faith, as we kind of support one another, as we encourage one another, as we inspire one another, as we spur one another on toward love and good deeds, and as we challenge one another. Spiritual growth involves and includes being a part of, an integral part of, a vital part of, an active part of a Christian community. And therefore, tonight, I want to look at and I want to highlight and I want to emphasize the spiritual discipline of fellowship. I don't know if you've ever thought of this as a spiritual discipline before, but, but I want to put it out there as, as one. And right up front, I'm going to give you a definition, or at least one definition of this particular spiritual discipline, because the word fellowship, and, and we've talked about this before, can sometimes get lost in translation. Uh, and this, this definition is taken from an organization called Renovere. I don't know how many of you are familiar with it. Founded by Richard Foster, who, who wrote that classic book, Celebration of, of Discipline. But this is an organization, that, an organization that, amongst other things, believes passionately in the practice of spiritual disciplines. And so here's what the spiritual discipline of fellowship means. It means engaging with other disciples in common activities of worship and study and prayer and celebration and service, service, which sustain our life together and enlarge our capacity to experience more of God. Now, it's not a perfect definition, but it's good. We're, we're going to expand upon it, but that, that provides us with a kind of starting point. Now, as with all of the spiritual disciplines, and it's a reason why this one's included as a spiritual discipline. As with all of the spiritual disciplines, fellowship takes time. It takes action. It requires commitment and intention. Because you see, we can give up meeting together. And many have, and many do. We, we can, we can choose to give up meeting together. We can retreat. We, we can back off. We can back away from each other. We can disengage. We can retreat or adopt that kind of individual mindset, privatized faith. But it's not the way it's meant to be and never has been. And so before we kind of home in on this discipline, what I want to do is, is zoom out for a moment in an attempt to establish and clarify a really vital aspect of this subject. God has lived in perfect community, in perfect fellowship from the very beginning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three distinct persons have existed and lived in a loving interpersonal relationship together forever. And whenever God created Genesis 1 and 2 narrative, it says that he, he made us, he created us, he created mankind in his image. And a key aspect of that means that he made us for community. God made us for connection. He made us for relationship. He made us for fellowship. And although that fellowship with God has been kind of marred and broken by sin, God made a way possible to restore humanity's fellowship, not only with him, but also with each other. And that way is Jesus. In and through Jesus, who we know is the way and the truth and the life. 
in and through Jesus, we can, and this is really important biblical teaching, we, in and through Jesus, we can have fellowship with God and with each other, which is what we were created for. And so here's, here's what I want to say right up front. Fellowship is a state of being as well as or before it is an activity to pursue. Fellowship is a state of being as well as or before it is an activity to pursue. So, so let's read 1 John 1 in, in that light. And we're going to, as we always do here at Windsor, we're going to stand for the public reading of God's word. And as you listen to it, as you, you, you follow it in, in a Bible, listen out for the word fellowship and how often it appears here in this text. So let's stand together. 1 John 1, reading the first seven verses. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and we declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. Grab a seat. Now, there's, there's a lot in that text, and I'm not about to, to, to unpack it all or try to unpack it all, but I want us to see that we have, this, this is the kind of headline here, we have fellowship with God through Jesus, who, who the apostle here describes as the word of life. And because Jesus shed his blood, which John says that what that achieves is it purifies us from all sin. Because of that, because of what Jesus did on the cross, which again tonight we have remembered. But because of this, we can have fellowship with God. That fellowship that we were created to have with God is restored because of Jesus, the word of life who shed his blood to purify our sin, to bring us from, and this is the language John uses, to bring us from darkness to light. And now because John says you walk in the light, not only do you have fellowship with God, but verse seven, you have fellowship with each other. In other words, you now have a common identity. You're now part of something bigger. You're part of something together. And that something is the family of God. And so you now get to participate together in the life of God and in the blessings of Christian community. So we have, to state of being, we have fellowship with God and we have fellowship with each other. This is what we have. This is who we are. We're children of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, in the family of God. So, having kind of zoomed out, 
Now let's home in on this idea of fellowship, not just something we have, but fellowship as an activity, which we can only have because of Jesus. And as we explore this idea now of fellowship as an activity, as something we do, not just something we have, but something we do, we now need to go to Acts chapter 2, back to where we were last week. So if you do want to flick over to Acts chapter 2, that's great. But the, the verse that I want to read, and it's the verse we read last week, it's verse 42, it's, it's going to be on the screen. Because it says that the Christians who were part of that dynamic new church in Jerusalem, they were devoted to four things. So they were devoted to prayer. And we thought about that discipline last week. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. And the fourth thing they were devoted to was fellowship. So this was something they were devoted to doing, to an activity. And so back to our earlier definition, these new believers devoted themselves to engaging with one another in common activities that sustained their lives together and enlarged their capacity to experience more of God. And that activity is a spiritual discipline. Why? Because we need to practice it. We need to choose to do it. So what exactly does it look like? How do we expand, if, as I said earlier, on this definition so that we can be clear what this particular spiritual discipline in, involves? Well, let's tease out the word fellowship as it appears here in, in Acts chapter two a little further. And if you were here six and a half years ago, on a Sunday night in September 2012, uh, all of those of you who were will remember this vividly, but I'm, some of what I'm going to share next might ring a few bells, not, not all of it. But the word fellowship in verse 42. Who can tell me, and I did that then. Who can tell me in the, the original Greek, the word, it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of familiar word you hear a lot in church, but what is the word for fellowship that we often use? Koinonia. And it kind of communicates and, and contains a couple of key ideas. And the first is this. It means to share together, to take part together. This is what it means by saying, listen, you are in something together. You're in the family of God, as I say, together. You're brothers and sisters in Christ together. You're part of something bigger together. You belong to God together. You belong to a body together. You belong to each other because you're part of the body together. And so when it says that the Christians in this Jerusalem church were devoted to fellowship, it means that they were dedicated to this newfound relationship they had with God. They were dedicated to this newfound relationship they had with God, but not just to this newfound relationship they had with God. They were dedicated to this new relationship they had with each other together. And what they were saying, whenever it says they devoted themselves to it, they were saying, do you know something? We are committing ourselves to this horizontal relationship with God, but we're also committing ourselves to this vertical, no, vertical relationship with God, horizontal relationship with each other, with other Christians. So these believers were guarding against, or they were rejecting a purely Jesus and me, lone ranger kind of expression and experience of Christian faith, this, this idea of an individual or individualistic Christianity. They were pledging themselves to sharing together and taking part together. That's what this means. We're devoting ourselves to doing this together. And that's so, 
so important, and it requires discipline because there is and can be a tendency to step back, to distance ourselves from this sharing together, to distance ourselves from this taking part together. And we do that for all kinds of different reasons. It is hard at times to share together, to take part together. It's messy. It's time-consuming. It's inconvenient. It's far easier just to think of me. It's risky sharing together. I have to be vulnerable at times to share together, to take part together in anything. And so we do need to be disciplined. We need to be intentional. Other ways we can drift apart or we drift away from meeting with others to share and partake. And so my strong advice is this, remember and practice this discipline regularly. Or to to use words from Hebrews again, whatever you do, don't give up. Never give up meeting together. Never give up sharing together, taking part together. And not just because it is a biblical discipline and a biblical practice. Not just because most of the New Testament letters are not written to individuals, they're written to communities. They're written to groups of Christians who live and operate together. But not just for those two reasons, but because being an integral, vital, and active part of a community, do you know what it does? It impacts you. It affects you. It shapes you. It forms you. It transforms you. I love this quote here from Mel Lawrence. Spiritual formation happens in, with, and through fellowship. The day-to-day, shoulder-to-shoulder contact of believers shapes us. Sometimes, and isn't this true, sometimes contact is is a grinding experience where sparks fly and sharp edges are worn off. Other times it is more forming and fitting. Whatever the case, fellowship, sharing together, taking part together, it influences. So the first dimension of kanonia, fellowship, involves sharing together, taking part together. But the second dimension takes us a little further. The second main idea of fellowship, the activity, is to share with. Not just to share together, not just to take part together, but to share with your brothers and sisters in the family of God. So how do we do that? How do we share with? What does this look like? What does this mean on the ground? Well, there's at least two aspects of this sharing with according to God's word. They're sharing at a material level, and they're sharing at a relational level. And both require discipline. So let's start with materially. Look again, Acts chapter two, only this time go down to verse 45, because this, this is where this fellowship that they were devoted to is fleshed out. And in verse 45, and these are familiar words, we read, all the believers, and note all of them, sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You know, one of the most common usages of koinonia and fellowship in the New Testament is this sense of sharing. This sense of sharing material resources with others who are in need within the church. 
Let me give you a few more examples of this from the New Testament, again, familiar words. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, says to them, share with God's people who are in need. And he's, when he's writing to the church in Corinth, he affirms their generosity in sharing with others. Later in the New Testament, again in the book of Hebrews, we are urged not to forget to do good and to share with others. And that word share or sharing in every single one of those references is koinonia. It's fellowship. And therefore, a willingness to share our possessions, our material resources with one another is a tangible aspect of true fellowship. That's what this activity looks like on the ground in practice. And so the believers in Acts chapter two, they were just sold out on this. And so their material generosity towards those around them who were in need just spilled out. Just spilled out. And for us here, as we we seek to practice this discipline, it's vital that we keep our eyes open and our hearts soft. So that whenever we look around and whenever we see a brother or a sister who is in need, who is struggling, it's imperative that we respond accordingly, that we share with, that's what fellowship means, we share with one another materially. And remember, we are, just to bring in another one of the disciplines, we are simply stewards of everything we have. We're not owners, we're stewards. God has entrusted, he hasn't given, he's entrusted to us so much, and therefore we've got to hold it lightly and release it appropriately. And any local church that is devoted to fellowship, like this church in Jerusalem, any church that is devoted to the spiritual discipline of fellowship must practically, materially care for and share with those amongst them who are in need. And it happens here in this place. And it happens time and time again, often under the radar. Often it's not, something, it's not a song and dance made about it, but it does happen and it is happening. But the question I just want to ask you and myself this evening is, what does this aspect of the spiritual discipline of fellowship look like, look like in your life right now? Are we, am I sharing with others materially? Because that's what fellowship means and looks like, the discipline of it. As people who belong to God, who have fellowship with God, as people who have fellowship with each other, we then must share with one another. But let's turn to the second level. Materially, we share with others, but also we are called to, we're instructed to share with each other relationally. And so as people who have fellowship with God and have fellowship with each other, we're called to relate to one another in a particular way. The Bible doesn't leave us guessing how we're supposed to relate to one another. It's very clear on this. The New Testament is packed with instructions and advice how this actually works and looks. And there's no better way to identify this than to remind ourselves once again of the so-called one another commands that are littered throughout their letters written to communities of God's people because it's these one another's that depict true fellowship. This is what the activity looks like. 
This is what it means to share with one another relationally at a local church level. According to to Dennis McCallum in his book about building a kind of biblical ethos in your church, he says, these one another passages that are found scattered all over the New Testament, they form a baseline for what we should expect when it comes to relationship building and koinonia and fellowship. This is the baseline. This is what it means to share with relationally. And so here are 10. And I I know for many of you, these are familiar. I'm just going over stuff we've shared before and looked at before, but it's so important. Does this characterize us as a church? Does this characterize our fellowship with each other? Therefore, or sorry, you, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another. Serve one another humbly. Serve one another in love. Therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up. Let the message of Christ dwell richly among you as you teach one another and as you admonish one another, as you hold one another accountable. It's a biblical principle. It's a depiction of true fellowship. Therefore, confess, and this is a hard one, isn't it? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God and Christ has forgiven you. Be completely humble and gentle and patient. Bear with each other. Bear with each other in love. And therefore, accept each other, accept one another, just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Bear one another's burdens, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And then again in 1 Peter 1, since you have, obe- have in obedience to truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. And five years ago, Uh, After that Sunday night in in September 2012, five years ago, we did a whole sermon series on those. But you see, these words, all 10 of them, these verses, they reveal how Christians are to do fellowship. This is what koinonia looks like or needs to look like amongst us. This is what it means to share with relation. And it's a challenge, isn't it? Isn't it a challenge to be patient with one another? to be kind to one another, to accept it. It's a challenge, and therefore it requires discipline, and it requires intention and devotion. But if we do embrace those practices, if we commit to serving one another and praying for one another, all those things, then our experience of true biblical fellowship will be enriched and enhanced. We will grow as individuals, yes, but we'll also grow as a community. And we will communicate something to a watching world because relating like this to one another. See, when you do relate like this, see, when a watching world looks in at a community of people who love each other and accept each other and bear one another's burdens and pray for one another and teach one another and care for one another and forgive one another, when a watching world looks in, says Jesus, they will know that you're my disciples. By your love for one another will others know that you belong to me. 
So let me finish. Fellowship is another spiritual discipline to add to the list. It's the 15th on the list. It begins by realizing we have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with each other. Why? Because of Jesus. It's a state of being. Because of Jesus, we have. And it's an incredible thought. We fellowship with God and with each other. But what does it mean? It means we share together and we take part together in something that's bigger than ourselves. We're in relationship with God. We're in relationship with each other together. And we need to be committed to that vertical and those horizontal relationships in order that we don't drift apart, in order that we don't drift away. And so we engage with other disciples in common activities that sustain our life together. Don't give up meeting. And it also means we share with one another. We share with one another materially and relationally. And for that to happen and to keep happening, we need to be devoted to it. We need to be devoted to it. And if we're going to be devoted to it, it requires discipline. And the moment that discipline disappears, the minute this discipline loses its place in our lives is the moment we risk isolation and disconnection two things that we were created to avoid.